Well, we've been um, obviously for weeks now talking about the Holy Spirit and our relationship. We're going to start in 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 2, beginning verse 12, a scripture that we're all familiar with by now because we've been in it for a while. Uh, now we have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God, that we might know the things that have been freely given to us by God. These things we also speak, not in words which man's wisdom teaches, but which the Holy Spirit teaches, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. But the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him. Nor can they be known because they are spiritually discerned. My brothers and sisters, please, I know that this is repetition, but you have to understand, if we can, that we have no chance of understanding the truth of God without the Spirit. If we try to understand with human intellect, try to make sense of it, just it's not going to happen. It won't, there, there'll always be some kind of an argument or something that would... And we, I just don't want to stay there very long. I, hopefully, we've made the point well enough. And that's why, my brothers and sisters, there's so much emphasis on the Holy Spirit and, and what that means to us. John 16, uh, you don't have to go. It's not going to be up there, but just write it down. We've been in it for a long time, beginning in verse 12. I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. This is Jesus speaking to his disciples. However, when he... The spirit of truth has come. He will guide you into all truth, for he will not speak of his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak. And he will tell you things to come. He will glorify me. He will take of what is mine and declare it to you. Again, I know this is repetition, but we need to know this. The Holy Spirit is our connection with God. He is God, and it's not the Holy Spirit. It's Holy Spirit. He is the third person of the Trinity. He is just as much God as the Father and the Son. And he is God's presence here with us. He is how we know all things. And just like we said in, in 1 Corinthians, that's the only way that we are able to understand or have any kind of, uh, of vision, any kind of knowledge of God is by the Holy Spirit. But, but here's the thing. The Holy Spirit is not contrary to Jesus or contrary to the Father. He glorifies Jesus. That's how you know if it's true holy. Is Jesus getting glory out of it? Is it consistent with the Word of God? And... My brothers and sisters, is Jesus being glorified through it? That's how you know. A lot of this stuff that's given, you know, Pentecostals or spiritual um, charisma gifts and all this other, a lot of things that have, have made people scared and back away whenever the Holy Spirit's mentioned or taught is because of the abuse. And because, my brothers and sisters, man, and, and gosh, we cannot shy away from the Holy Spirit. We need fellowship with the Holy Spirit. The ministry, so now we, last week we, we spoke of you know, hearing God's voice. Being able to hear God's voice requires the Holy Spirit. He's, it's got, he's God's voice to us, amen? Uh, today, ministry of the Holy Spirit, but as I was coming to church, I, I thought, you know what, that's really not, it, it's, it's more than just the ministry or the work or the responsibility or what the characteristics of the Holy Spirit. It's, it's more than that. It's relationship. This is really speaking to our relationship with the Holy Spirit. Because it's not just about His work in us or His work around us or what His duties are, what His responsibilities are in the Godhead. No, it's about relationship. And that's the only time or that's the only way that we have relationship with God is by the Spirit. Amen? Let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name, I pray that you would give, give us understanding, that you would open our hearts and minds. Father, that 
Maybe we came in and we've got so many other things on our minds or there's, you know, whatever it is. Father, in Jesus' name, I pray right now that you would arrest us. Holy Spirit, again, we give you access. I know that there's some in here that came to hear from you, God. So I, I beg in Jesus' name, Holy Spirit, that you would allow us to hear and that you would give us vision, that we would have sight, that we might see what it is that you would want to teach us. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Here's another one. I know you guys are getting a little bit tired of this, but in Ephesians 1, verses 15, starting there, Therefore I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints, do not cease to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him, Verse 18 now, the eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of your calling. What are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints? And what is the exceeding greatness of his power toward us who believe? According to the working of his mighty power, which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in heavenly places. I'm going to stop there for a minute. Because we've, we, again, so much repetition. We've, we've been studying in these scriptures for quite a while. But my brothers and sisters, hope. I mean, Brother Steve get a, gave a testimony about hope, you know, where he found himself saying, I hope this will happen or I hope that. But then he said, you know, the, the, the Holy Spirit nudged him and said, it's not I'm hoping, it's I'm praying that this will happen. And his prayers are based on, you know, what he's reading, the knowledge that he has now in the scripture, what the truth is. See, my brothers and sisters, I could say, I hope this will happen. I hope that will happen. I hope, I hope, I hope. But what is my hope based on? What is my confident expectation? What is it based on? Because if it's based on anything other than the truth, I'm rolling the dice. But see, my brothers and sisters, in this context, we now know that there's something that we have, the hope that we have is genuine, it's true, it's real. Why? Because Jesus Christ came, died for us, died, spilled out all his blood. He rose from the dead. And that same power that raised him from the dead now resides in us. So there's, there's, there, this is not a, a fictitious thing. This isn't a, well, maybe it's going to happen. I'm going to sit here, or like I always say, there's no place like home. There's no place like home. I don't have to do, there's no, ma- no, I just have to believe it and trust it because it's already happened. I have power. I have power. He's placed it in me. Hallelujah. So I'm tired of the church in this area. I'm just, gonna, I'm just tired of the church living below you know, the promises that we've been given to him just because maybe some in the past have abused it or it's not popular to, to speak these things. But my brothers and sisters, in order for us to be the relevant light salt that he's called us to be, we need to be different. And the difference needs this. The difference maker is the Holy Spirit. Amen. Period. Period. Holy Spirit is the difference maker. But I want, I, like, I want to go back to verse 18 because I love this verse and I've been you know, just pounding on this. I know I've been pushing on this for weeks now and even in the Wednesday night. But man, I, I love the way the New uh, Living Translation says it. It says, I pray that your hearts will be flooded with light so that you can understand the confident hope he has given to those he called. Did, did you hear that? That says it so well. I, I want your hearts, I, want your, I pray that your hearts would be flooded with light. Light, 
Now, we've done before, and you guys have seen many messages where, you know, the, there's, there's, the littlest light can, can overcome any kind of darkness. If we had this room pitch black and I struck a little match, that match would stand out. Because, you know, there is a battle that's going on, and the battle is between darkness and light, period. That's it. You know, we can dress it up, and in this current climate of geopolitics and everything else, we can dress it up how we want to, but the real battle is between darkness and light. Psalm 119.105, Your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light to my path. The light, his word. Amen? Now, Again, I mean, we could, I could give, you know, try and shut the lights off and show you a little light, but, you know, it's just much. Has anybody ever walked around your house or wherever in the dark and stubbed your toe? Yeah. I mean, yeah, amen. Man, I did a lot. Used to do it when, like, you know, in our, from our master bedroom, you know, there's a little hallway, you make a little turn and you go into the kitchen. So in the morning when I'm going out there and, I'm, you know, maybe I'm going to make a coffee that morning, whatever it is that I'm going to do, and I'm heading to the kitchen before I go to work, it's still dark. Uh, you know, I kind of got it halfway memorized, you know. I know that I take a few steps, I kind of move a little bit to the left and I could avoid a chair and then make it to the kitchen and hit the light. So I, Brother, here's somebody who can relate. Thank you, Jesus. But, so, so, but now here's what happens. Every once in a while, Miss Michelle, Pastor Michelle, will change the furniture around a little bit. So now all of a sudden, because uh, it's dark, I can't see. I've got that little step memorized. Uh-uh, ain't going to happen. Bam! But now here's the latest thing. Here's the latest thing. The latest thing is the dog. The dog... You know, she has her little spot, and she, she'll sleep in that little spot almost all the time. But not all the time. She'll get up at night, and she'll plop herself down next to the bed here over there. So now the big problem is not necessarily the furniture that my wife is moving. Now the problem is Sophie the dog. Now every time I get up, it's i got to do the stingray shuffle because I've stepped on her a couple times. Ah! And that's me, not the dog. <laughs> No, I have to do the stingray shuffle because, I, well, yeah, because there's this absence of light, the darkness. I can't, his word is, right? A lamp unto my feet, a light unto my path. His, light, his word tells me how to step. I can step with confidence if I, under, if I have his word, right? If I'm hearing his word, if the Holy Spirit is bringing me the word, bringing me understanding. Faith cometh by hearing, hearing by the word. word of God. So if I, I have this understanding, you see. But, but more than that now, this light that it, it's flooding, I want the light. The, the, the Spirit of God is telling us that the light should be flooding our hearts. That's His will for, for us, for His light, His Word, His truth to be flooding our hearts. Amen? Amen. John eight twelve says this, Then Jesus spake to them again and say, I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. Wow. See, Wait a minute, I thought the Word was light. Yeah, He is the Word. He's the living Word. Amen? He's God. God all the time. God is the Word. The Word became flesh. Amen? Dwelt among us. He's the Word. The Word is light. John 1, 5. This is the message. It's 1 John. Excuse me, forgive me. It's 1 John, and this is the, the Holy Spirit speaking through the Apostle John. This is the message which we have heard from Him, Jesus, and declare to you that God is light, and in Him is no darkness at all. My brothers and sisters... I thought God was love. He is. I thought the word was God. Yeah. All synonymous. 
His word. He is the word. He's the word. He's the truth. He's the life. God is love. Synonymous. And in order for us to understand that, to have that, it is God, Holy Spirit God, enlightens our heart with all of that truth, with all of that. It's all one big lump, one, one big lump sum, one big package. Hallelujah. All right? So now I'm going to go to Matthew right here. Matthew chapter 6, verse 22. The lamp of the body is the eye. If therefore your eye is good, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If therefore the light that is in you is darkness, how great is that darkness? I just, you know, I'm going to get the last bit a bit first, okay? So now knowing what we know, that the word is truth, right? The light is the word. God is the light. Okay, so now watch. If my eye is bad, does that mean, you know, my eyes are bad? If I didn't have contacts or glasses, I mean, I couldn't. No, he's not talking about your physical eyes. He's talking about spiritually, the eyes of your heart. Remember what you understand. But if you're looking at something or if your understanding is, is, is not necessarily of the truth, it's not been filled with light, but you're going according to your own understanding or a false teaching or something like that, and you think that that's light, that's, that's truth. That's, and that's what you understand. How bad is that? It's very bad because now you're living your life according to something that's false. You're living your life according to something that's not true in eternity. Eternal truth. So that's why the, the statement, if therefore that light that's in you is darkness, how great is that darkness? Because it's affecting your whole life. It's affecting not only this life, but the life to come. Hallelujah. So if your eye is bad, you can't fill it with light. I'm going to read something to you. Hang with me. Just a couple readings. It's, it's, and I, I really think that it will help all of us and make a difference. I'm going to Genesis 3 now. You can just listen with me or you can read along however you prefer. But I'm going to begin in verse 6. So when the woman saw that the, that the tree was good for food... When the woman saw, this is obviously Eve, when she already had a conversation with Satan and Satan had convinced her to violate the word of God, give her a little doubt through a little shadow on God's word. And so she saw that the tree was good for food, that it was pleasant to the eyes and the, and the tree desirable to make one wise. She took of its fruit and ate. She also gave to her husband with her and he ate. Then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they knew that they were naked. And they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves coverings. And they, were, and they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam, said his, who his, Adam and his wife, they hid themselves from the presence of the Lord. Did you catch any of that? Did you, did you, kinda, did you see the flow? So their eyes were open, Tony, but I thought you said, you know, your eyes, that's the window to the body. Yeah, but see what happened was they opened their natural eyes. They lost their spiritual sight because they leaned on their natural eyes. So when they started going according to their natural eyes, something changed drastically and dramatically. It changed. All of a sudden, the guilt and the shame came on them. When they heard God, they ran from the presence of God. I want to tell you, honestly, we've convinced ourselves through some 
Church, I want to say this right. Lord, help me. We've convinced ourselves the way we've set up some church programs and things of this nature that we're getting in the presence of God. But I want to tell you a lot of what I'm reading and a lot of what I'm seeing, and that's why the church is powerless today, because we're really not getting in the presence of God, because we can't bring our nakedness before God and call our nakedness righteousness and expect that we're going to see the move and the power of God. It, it, it can't happen, right? And see, that's the, that's the thing. We need this light to come inside of us, to, to break inside of us to, so that we have this full understanding and so that we have our, you know, we open up our good eyes. We're asking the Holy Spirit to keep our eyes open, our spiritual eyes open, that we might be able to receive the truth and walk according to the truth and not bring, listen, because we've had this for so long, we've, t- we've allowed things and we've conformed to the culture. All of a sudden, you know, we, don't, we, we don't have that shame. We don't have that, and, that guilt anymore. We can go to church, walk in church, sing hallelujah, praise the Lord, and, and be indifferent about it. Now listen, I'm not saying to you that we need to have these guilt parties when we come. I'm not saying that. Not at all. In fact, what I'm saying, though, is when we come to church or if we're in our closet or wherever we are, we got to understand that God is everywhere. And he knows that we're guilty. So when we confess to him, when we just be really honest with God, we get real with God, he says the shame and the guilt is gone. Then you can you don't have to worry about feeling guilty. You don't have to worry about that thing that you did and that mistake coming up and, and tripping you, well, you know, while you're in the middle of praising him and worshiping him and, and all that. But my brothers and sisters, if we take that so lightly, if, if in other words, if, if we don't see our sin as sin, if we don't realize, my brothers and sisters, that there is a light, there is a truth. And, and you know, if, we're, if our eyes are being guided by something other than that, if we're letting something else in other than that light, we're missing it. We're missing it. If, we're, if, we're, if our doctrine, if our theology, if our belief in God doesn't line up, if it's not true light, we're not going to make it. We're powerless. We don't, then we can't, we can't act in those things that he's given to us. We, they're, they're, they're useless. They're, 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 not, they're, they're not at work in our lives. Why? Because we're not taking in this true light. We're operating according to still this, this I'm going to say dimness, but it's dark. Now go with me, if you will. Revelation. Chapter 3, beginning in verse 14. And to the angel of the church of Laodiceans write, These things says the Amen. The faithful and true witness, the beginning of the creation of God. I know your works, that you are neither cold nor hot. I could wish that you were cold or hot. So then because you are lukewarm, neither hot nor neither cold nor hot, I will vomit you out of my mouth. Because you say, I am rich and have become wealthy and have need of nothing and do not know that you are wretched, miserable, poor, blind, and naked. Did you hear that? Are you tracking this? I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in the fire that you may be rich and white garments that you may be, excuse me, 
that you may be clothed, that the shame of your nakedness may not be revealed, and anoint your eyes with eye salve, that you may see. As many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Therefore, be zealous and repent. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and dine with him and he with me. Remember, that's where we were last week, where we're hearing the voice of the Lord. The Lord is wanting to have this relationship with us. And, and we hear the voice of the Lord through the Holy Spirit. The Holy, Holy Spirit is the voice of the Lord for us. And when Jesus is knocking at the door of our heart, it's his Spirit, Holy Spirit speaking to us. And then we respond. We open the door. And he's desiring that fellowship. But my brothers and sisters, did you notice? I want, I want to go back to 17 and 18. Because you say I'm rich, have become wealthy and have need of nothing, and do not know that you are wretched, miserable, poor, and blind, and naked. See, my brothers and sisters, so much of what uh, we base our, our walk on, our life, is, is the things that we have and the things that we do not have, even in, in, the, in the church. And we, you know, we're, we're, we're happy. We think we're doing good because everything is going well. We, maybe we have a good job. We have some things, and, and, and we're really, okay, I'm well, relatively happy. I'm not living in poverty, so I, I, everything's okay. When in fact, that's exactly, that's what happened to the Corinthian church. The Corinthian church had a little bit of wherewithal. It was, a, it was a town that was a port town. They had many philosophers. There were a lot of people from all over that area traveling through, bringing you know, uh, education. You know, there, there, there were academics. There were philosophers. There, were, there was wealth. And, and they suffered the same thing. Looking at the things of the world and, and, and having that you know, inside of them versus the light, the true light, the truth being motivated by that, looking at that, that was, that was what their eyes were fixed on. But look at what he says in 18. I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in the fire. Now, I believe, my brothers and sisters, he's, he's speaking of faith, and here's why I believe it. Now, for, in First Peter 1, 6, it says this, Now, for a little while, if need be, you have been grieved by various trials, that the genuineness of your faith, being much more precious than gold, that perishes. You see that? The genuineness of your faith being much more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to praise, honor, and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ. See, I, I think that when he's saying, when, he, when the Lord is speaking, he's saying, buy for me gold. See, you think you're wealthy, and he's talking against that. You, know, you're, 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 you think you're wealthy. You have things. You, you look at the wealth that you have in this world, and you think that that's it. You're good. You have need of nothing. But I'm telling you, you're wretched. You're, you can't even see. Because you have these things, you can't even see your own folly. Maybe that's a better way of saying it. Because you have all of these things, because you feel like you're okay now, you're set up, you have a place to live, you have a decent roof over your head, you know, you're okay. Because you're getting some of your wants or because you're looking at your status, your stature, you've got a good job, you've got the promotion or whatever it is, you, you've got a good income and all this other stuff. Because you have all that, you can't see that you're in sin, that you forgot the things of God, that you're living separate from God. So God is saying, listen, you're miserable, you're poor, you're wretched. You need, you're blind. He says, you're blind and you're naked. You need to buy from me. 
gold. Don't worry about that temporary stuff. You need to buy the real stuff from me. James 2, 5 says this way. Listen, my beloved brethren. Has, has God not chosen the poor of this world to be rich in faith? Rich in faith and heirs of the kingdom which he promised to those who love him. See, that's what this is about, my brothers and sisters. The eternal riches. What we have in Christ Jesus now. Also notice in, in Revelation 3 and 18, he says, In the white garments that you may be clothed, that the shame of your nakedness may not be revealed. See, buy of me these white garments. These white garments. I, when I was studying this, and I, the, immediately something that was very familiar, I think we've all studied this together, was in Zechariah chapter 3, when Zechariah gets the vision from the Lord. And it's uh, Joshua, the high priest, standing before the angel of God. And the enemy of his soul, the enemy of our soul, Satan, standing next, accusing him, making accusations against Joshua, the high priest. And Joshua standing there with his clothes dirtied, with, with filthy garments. And the Lord stood up and said, I rebuke you, Satan. I rebuke you. The Lord rebuke you. And he said, put on him clean garments. I'm making him clean. See, that's what happened to you and me. When we went to the cross of Christ and we put our faith and trust in him and we knew we had to repent, we needed to get cleaned up, he cleaned us up. And he put on clean garments. Now it's up to us to keep the garments clean. But here's the thing. This is what I love. We have Holy Spirit to help us keep our garments clean. We're going to get a speck or two on there. And when we get the speck or two on there, he doesn't kick us to the curb. He is in relationship with us and he tells us, don't do that. We need to fix this. And then he says, fix it and I'll come back. No. Let us fix this together. Let us fix this together. My brothers and sisters, that's what being part of a church is about. Not that we can go in, check the box and go home. It's having relationship. You need something. You need some help. You made a mistake. We ain't going to look down our nose at you. What can we do to help you? What can we do to help you? That's what this is about. But he says, I'm going to give you these garments. And I also read in Revelation 19, at the marriage supper of the Lamb, he talks about his bride, the church, being arrayed in white. And he says, it's the righteousness of the saints. And I know that the righteousness of the saints doesn't come according to the saints. We are the righteousness of God in Christ. Amen? The righteousness of God in Christ. So my job, how do I keep my garments clean? I stay in Christ. Amen? I'm going to stay in Christ and I keep my garments clean. So buy from me you know, gold. Buy from me the gold. Buy from me. Man, I'm going to provide you faith. Come to me. I'm going to give you faith. Buy, buy for me white garments. I'm the one that's going to give you the white garments. I'm the one that provides forgiveness. In Christ Jesus, you are righteousness. You are the righteousness of God in Christ. Amen? All right. Let's go. This is, this is the part that gets me. And anoint your eyes with eye salve that you may see. Remember where we are. You need to see. I would that you would, the eyes of your heart would be open, that light can flood your heart. So now he's talking to the church. He's talking to Christians. And he's saying, anoint your eyes with eye salve that you can see. 
And when he's saying that you can see, obviously, my brothers and sisters, he's not talking to a bunch of blind people. Just like it says that Jesus came to restore the sight to the blind. Did he heal blind people? Yes. But was that what that scripture meant? No. We were all blind. None of us could see. Even the spiritual leaders, especially the spiritual leaders in his day. He said, you're the blind, leading the blind. You're going to end up in the ditch. Right? So even the leaders were blind. But so Jesus came that he would provide light that we would see. Amen? Okay. So he says, anoint your eyes with eye sand that you may see. So what is this anointing? That I need. What is he talking about? Anoint my eyes with eye salve. Well, I'm glad you asked. Now I'll tell you. John 14, 15 to 17. This is what it says. If you love me, keep my commandments. And I will pray the Father and he will give you another helper that he may abide with you forever. The spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him for he dwells with you and will be in you. So now let's go to 1 John 2, 26. These things I have written to you concerning those who try to deceive you. But the anointing which you have received from... What? What? The anointing that you received from him, who? Jesus. Jesus, Abides in you. It abides in you. And you do not need that anyone teach you, but as the same anointing teaches you concerning all things and is true and is not a lie, and just as it has, as it has taught you, you will abide in him. So there's this anointing that abides in us. What abides in us? Spirit of truth, Holy Spirit. So, so are you there? You, are, are you understanding? See, the Holy Spirit is this anointing. When, when, the, when God is speaking to the church and he's saying, anoint your eyes with eyes set, you need the Holy Spirit. You need, to, you need to put some faith in the Holy Spirit now because they didn't have Jesus to look at. We don't have Jesus in the body to look at. We have his word, but we understand that we, we can't even understand the word unless the Holy Spirit guides us. So we need the Holy Spirit's anointing. We need the ISAB. We need the Holy Spirit for us to let the light in. We can't see the light without the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit is the one who gives us eyes to see. Well, I get a little excited about this stuff. <laughs> see, to, to me, does this seem like a, like a really like a simple thing, like a very simple teaching? So maybe that's why you know, we don't fill up every week is because I'm not standing up here and spewing these new revelations. I'm telling you, if it doesn't line up with this, get away from it. Amen. Doesn't line up because I'm hearing guys and there's, there are people that are filling places and, and want a couple of very famous ones that will stand there and say that once you become born again, you don't need to repent. My brothers and sisters, that you would have to throw out some of this book in order to believe that. Because if you look at just this chapter in Revelation chapter 3, what does the Lord tell the churches? Some of them. And this one. Repent! If I don't need, if once I'm born again, if once I'm a Christian, I never have to repent again, why would he tell Christians to repent? Why? Well, they weren't really Christians, Tony, because I get that a lot. Really? Okay, well, then let me ask you something. So what you're saying is, when you've made a mistake, you are no longer a Christian. You made a mistake, and you were no longer a Christian. In that moment that you made the mistake, that you missed the mark, you were no longer a Christian. That's not true. 
That's not true. We're going to miss the mark. And that's why this relationship that we have with the Holy Ghost is so important. That's why we need to have this light constantly piercing our hearts so that we could see, you know what? I went this way, but the light says to go that way. So now what happens? Well, I'm lost. Well, what you're saying, Tony, is that unless you repent... No, I'm telling you, my brothers and sisters, if, you're, if you have this communion with the Holy Spirit, you miss the mark. It's not that big of a deal anymore. You know in your heart, I missed it. Holy Spirit, forgive me. God, forgive me. And we just keep trucking along. It, it, you don't have to worry about... It's, your, your, your salvation is not something that is so very tenuous that if you make a mistake, boom, you're done. It doesn't work that way. But I also want to say that this grace that we have, this salvation that we have by grace, this grace isn't such a thing that it allows you, it's the safety net to catch all of your lifestyle, all of your sinful lifestyle that you want to continue. You want to have one foot in and one foot out, and you figure, well, grace got me covered. That's not what this is saying. But there are other people that are saying that. So that's why, my brothers and sisters, we need the Holy Ghost to keep our eyes open. We need to anoint our eyes. Isn't that what Jesus is saying to the church at Laodicea? He's saying, man, you, you're looking at the wrong things. And because you're looking at these things, you're, you're blind and naked and you don't even know it. See, you need to cover up. Some of you need to cover up. I'm just telling you. You need to cover up. But see, that's the great thing about this. He doesn't say, go and take care of this and then come back and see me. Man, our God is not that way. He's not that God. He's the God who says, come to me. And we'll work this thing out. We'll clean it up. We'll clean it up. You don't need to do this on your own. I've given you my spirit so that you would have eyes to see what is true, that you would have hearts to receive it so your hearts could be flooded with this light, with this truth. And why would he want to flood us and for us to know this truth just so that we can what? Walk out of here or walk out of our prayer closet and then live like we always lived? How does that even make... That doesn't even make sense to me and I'm not that smart. You didn't have to say amen. You see the way they are? I expect somebody up here at the end repenting. But do you understand? How does that even come close to making sense? Well, Tony, you know, you're trying to make sense, and you even said, and we started off with the Corinthian Scripture, where it says that to the natural man, spiritual things don't make sense. Yeah, things like one man can spill all of his blood and die for all of the sins of the whole world that were committed before him, after him, and period, to eternity, his blood. Uh, that doesn't make sense. How could I figure No. No. I can't, I can't figure that out with the natural mind. And even the statement that I made relative to how does that make sense, even though I'm not smart, for God to go ahead and spill out all of that light into us that we would know which way to walk and then, we'll, you know, and then allow us to walk out of here, that doesn't make sense. Well, again, you could, again, make the argument, well, you're trying to figure it out, you're, you're thinking like a logical man. You're not thinking spiritually. Well, I'm telling you, no, I'm thinking spiritually because I read the book and some of you have too. And I know what the scripture says. The scripture says that we have to keep our garments clean. But it doesn't say that we're doing it by ourselves. He never abandons us and says, okay, you know what? Here's my Holy Spirit. We're going to come in and out. And, you know, if you mess up, we're going to leave you for a while. We'll see how good you do and then we'll come back. It doesn't say that. He'll never leave you or forsake you. But my brothers and sisters, again, like last week, God is speaking. It's up to us to give him ear. 
It's up to us to yield ourselves and, and, and be in that place where we want to hear. And because if we want to hear, he's going to be heard. I want to hear a word from the Lord, Pastor. I said this last week, and I'm sorry if I'm repeating. I want to hear a word from the Lord, Pastor. Well, good. Go and pray. Read and pray, and you'll hear a word from the Lord. Stay away from that stuff that the Lord doesn't go near. If you go to the club, I'm going to guarantee you, you're not going to hear from the Lord in there. Because your eyes are fixed on something else. And I'm not trying to make fun, or I'm not trying to be flippant at all. What are your eyes... See, if your eyes are bad, what does that mean, if your, your eyes are bad? I'm looking at the things of this world. I'm looking at the natural. I'm looking, again, like it says in the Scripture, like we just read. I'm looking at the wealth. I'm looking at the job. I'm, I'm in need of nothing. I don't need anything. I'm happy. I'm happy in my relationship. School is going great. Everything is going well. I'm in need of nothing. And because we're looking at that, our eyes are bad. So we're not getting light into the heart. We're not letting the Holy Spirit give us understanding. And we can even read the Word. And we can even go to church. But if when we leave the church building and our eyes are still fixed on something else, we're not letting that heart be flooded with light. It has no power to change us. It has no power to bless us. See, I want the blessing of God. I want the power unleashed in all of us. Not not so that we can make a spectacle. Not so that we can put on a show. So that we can live according to what he's called us to and be salt and light now. So that when people are looking, they will see Jesus in you. They will see something different. And my brothers and sisters, isn't it going to be so much easier in the culture that we're living in to stand out like a sore thumb? Isn't it so much easier because it's getting darker? It's getting darker. So, listen, a little light. I'm little. Look how little I am. I'm, I'm little, but see, the, the little things that we do have an opportunity now. We have so much opportunity to stand out, to be the light. All we have to do is go, listen, not walk according to our natural eyes, which really are spiritually blind. We're spiritually blind if we're looking at everything this way. We have to allow the Holy Spirit, we, we, we put that eye salve on. And let the Holy Spirit open up the eyes of our heart that we may be able to receive the light. Amen. Amen. Oh, that's, that's so good, man. In Luke 24, I wanna, I'm going to end here. In Luke 24, verse, beginning in verse 25. I'm going to read that, but I want to set it up. I'm going to give you some context. Remember, after Jesus rose from the dead, there were two that were on the road to Emmaus. Remember? And they were on the road to Emmaus. They were leaving Jerusalem and they were discussing all of the things that had happened in the days prior to and, and talking about, you know, how they thought Jesus was the Messiah and, you know, he, he was a great prophet. They thought he could be the Messiah and then he was killed and so on and so forth. And Jesus woke uh, walk up on them. And he says, what are you talking about? And they say, where have you been? And so they begin to say that, that we thought this, you know, Jesus was going to be the Christ and blah, blah, blah. This is what Jesus says to him, beginning in verse 25. Then he said to them, O foolish ones and slow of heart 
to believe in all that the prophets have spoken. Ought not the Christ to have suffered these things and to enter into his glory? See, he's saying, you don't even understand what the prophets say. You don't, you don't understand what the scriptures say. You're saying that he wasn't the Christ because he was crucified, he was murdered. That's the very thing that the prophets said that was going to happen to the Christ. That's what Jesus, now, so Jesus is teaching them the word. And listen, I love this. And beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded to them all the scriptures, the things concerning himself. Now, let me ask you something. Do you think that took about a half hour, 45 minutes? Man, people get antsy if I take 50 minutes. It's people. Now, I'm not saying I talk like Jesus. I understand that. I mean, you know, but, but, you, but you, man, could you imagine? So these guys are just totally eating this up. Jesus is expounding to them all of the scriptures and the things concerning himself. Then they drew near to the village where they were going, and he indicated, he, Jesus, that he would have gone farther. But they constrained him. They begged him to stay. Abide with us, for it's toward evening, and the day is far spent. And he, and he went to stay with them. Verse 30, this, I love it. Now it came to pass as he, Jesus, sat at the table with them that he took bread, blessed it, and broke it, and he gave it to them. Their eyes were opened. See, that whole time they didn't know who they were talking to. He, he hid his, right, right, come on. He hid who he was from them. But when he sat down and ate with them, when he sat down and had relationship with them, see, because in that culture, that's what that means. We're going to eat together. We're going to have a relationship. We're going to have a meal together. When he sat down and had relationship with them, he opened their eyes. Hallelujah. They knew him. And then he left. My brothers and sisters, that's, that's what this is. This the Holy Spirit, our, our, our God, God the Holy Spirit, comes to reside inside of us that we may know Him, have relationship with Him. I want to read to you one more scripture. We're going to end it with this scripture. The second letter to the Corinthians that's recorded in our Bible is probably the third letter that they got from the Corinthians, but, or to the Corinthians. But this is what it says. 13, 14. This is how Paul ends this letter. The grace of the Lord Jesus, the grace of the Lord Jesus, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen. The law came by Moses, grace and peace through Jesus Christ. So grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. In this, the love of God was made known to us. He gave his one and only son to die that we might live, 1 John 4, 9. You guys know the scriptures. So the love of God. But then look what it says of the Holy Spirit. And the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. We've got the grace and peace of the Lord Jesus, the love of God, and communion of the Holy Spirit. Communion relationship, fellowship, partnership. My brothers and sisters, we're in relationship with God by the Holy Spirit. So, Tony, yeah, okay, big, we've heard all that. It's, you know, we've been in the church for a long time, Holy Spirit. Can I ask you, are you living, I mean, me too, for me, are we living with this acute awareness 
of the Holy Spirit. This, this keenness that the Holy Spirit is right here. Are we living that way? Are we? Are we looking at things with our spiritual eyes? Are our eyes good? Our eyes good? I will tell you, full disclosure, sometimes not so good. I'll get tied up in the middle of something at the job or something and start looking. It's time for me to catch myself, yield myself back to Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, we're in partnership. Holy Spirit, now I, I need you the most right now. It, it's, it's fellowship, it's partnership. It's the sharing and exchanging of intimate thoughts and feelings. The act of sharing, holding in common. It's communion. Am I living like that? Are we living like that? Am I living like I'm yoked up with the Holy Spirit? Am I living like I am yoked up with the Holy Spirit? Am I living in that keen awareness that I have this God, I have Holy Spirit, my partner? I want that. I want that. Stand with me.